Day three of BBC Gardeners World Live at the NEC. I'm looking out to the window of the studio here and it is very, very busy. Lots of people, smiles on their faces, which is good, <laughs> um, but also they've got trolleys full of goodies, which is really good to see. I'm delighted that joining me in the studio is somebody whose voice, if you listen to Gardener's Question Time, you will recognise Pippa Greenwood. Welcome. Lovely to see you. Oh, lovely to be here. Isn't it great? Because as you say, there's a real buzz. There's lots of people. But because the walkways between all the stands are a really good size, people aren't crushing each other. So it's the kind of ideal thing, isn't it? You've got space, but there's lots of you. Absolutely. Uh, now, Pippa, I um, was reading up on you, obviously. Um, and there's a great phrase. It says you're a plant pathologist. That's a fabulous type. What's a plant pathologist, Pippa? Well, you've probably heard of human pathologists, which is all the terrible things that can go wrong with humans. Now, I don't... I like humans, but I'm rather more fond of plants. And uh, so, yes, it's basically my, my training. I started out life as a botanist, but I then became a plant pathologist, which is somebody whose specialisation is plant diseases and I also trained quite a bit in entomology which is the pest side of things so all the little critters that give you grief in the garden as well so yes all the nasty side of gardening that's what I really love. <laughs> now you've got an interesting take because I've, I've read your blog you've got an interesting take on dealing with pests haven't you which is the the biological solution mm. rather than using pesticides tell me about that. Well I think it's just, it makes a lot of sense if you can target your control of a problem in the garden rather than using a chemical that might, isn't always, but might be very broad spectrum, so attack a lot of things, including things you didn't want to damage. And sometimes you can, with some chemicals, you can even damage the naturally occurring, occurring critters in your garden that would help to sort out your pests and your problems. Yeah. So it's a bit of a weird situation and, and a bit crazy. And, and I quite like, I'm, I'm more than a bit interested in wildlife and, and trying to be on the greener side of gardening. So if you introduce these beneficial insects, the biological controls, it's a great way of sorting out pests in, in your garden. So, for instance, uh, one of the things we offer are, are nematodes that control slugs, and you can water those onto your garden, and something like the little keeled slugs spend most of their 24-hour period underground. And then they come up and cause devastation. And when they're underground, they tunnel into your potatoes and all those other delightful things they do. Use the nematodes. You can control them very easily, very effectively. But it doesn't damage you or your pets or your children or the wildlife. It's absolutely perfect. It's targeted at slugs. Fascinating. And, you know, there's one for just about every problem in your greenhouse or in your garden. Ah, now uh, they say every day's a learning day, Pippa, uh, especially, uh -huh. for, especially for oh, me. It certainly I'm, is for me I'm, too. I'm, I'm not very green fingered at the best, so all plants die on mm. me. Um, but I was re fascinated reading about the red spider mite, mm. uh, which you get a lot in greenhouses, of course. That's right, and it's a tiny little creature which. You tend to only know you've got it when you notice the damage it does. And it's not actually red, so it's a bit of a misnomer, the name as well. Um, it's a sort of khaki colour with two spots on its back, but you wouldn't see it unless you had incredibly sharp eyesight or probably a magnifying glass. But they feed and suck the sap out of the plant leaves and, and cause them to go flecked and spotty. And then they, they dry up and the whole plant can be killed. And you're absolutely right, yes, plants in greenhouses in particular, or sometimes in a really hot summer, 
uh, if you've got a plant on a sunny wall, you'll get them causing damage to that as well. BBC Gardeners World Live doubles up with uh, the BBC Good Food Show Summer here, which is fascinating in itself because of the huge conversations about plot to plate. Yes. And particularly, like, so many young people now coming to this show and, and possibly their first foray into horticulture is growing something they can eat. Yes, you're right. And it needs to be made easy for them. And it's a great way in, though, isn't it? And I know you're, you're keen on that, aren't you, on, on the vegetables? I'm really keen on getting people to grow vegetables, partly because I'm a lifelong vegetarian, so I'm rather fond of veg. But also I just think it, it not only is good for you being out there in the garden, but it also makes you feel really good, really proud of yourself when you produce at least part of a meal you grew yourself Mm -hmm. and it's absolutely I think it's so important to get everyone growing veg and there was a sort of gap in interest a few years back and so we've now got the situation where there are people who are maybe buying their first houses who've never really done it because they didn't grow veg with their parents or their grandparents or the people next door or whoever it was and so I think it's really important to help them and that's why I started that thing that you've obviously seen on the website which is because I, th- I think if you go into a garden centre where you send off for plants, they could be, and will be, really good quality plants. But there'll be something on the label that says plant 45 centimetres apart, and that's great, and you do that. But then it sort of abandons you, and you don't know what to do next. And if that was me in the back end of a computer, well, I might burst into tears, or I might just switch it off and go outside in the garden. So that's no good, is it? You've got to have a bit of... Um, of what I offer and that's at your elbow advice Mm. so with my system you choose the plants you want and then you get weekly emails telling you what you should be doing so it's really hard to fail and if there's a particular pest about I'll tell you if it's a bad year for something I'll also tell you because I think you know if you were say growing let's say butternut squash for the first time and things were going all right and then in the end really you were a bit disappointed I'd like you to know that if it was a bad year for butternut squash, that was the problem. It's not your growing skills. So if mine are doing disastrously badly, I'm very honest with my customers and I tell them that as well because I want them to know that it's not their fault, so it's worth having another go. There is something really satisfying, isn't there? No matter what, you say butternut squash or it could be cucumbers mm. or lettuce are easy to grow. Beans are sweet, beans corn. Sweet. It doesn't matter how big they are, how prolific your crop is. There is something that goes on in your head that says something you've grown when you eat it tastes better. It's a psychological thing, I'm sure, yeah. but it's, it's a great thing, isn't it? But it does. It seems to taste better, and I think actually it really does because it's so fresh. Because mm. even if you went and bought your veg from the local farmer's market, they had to pick them and get them there. You go into the back garden or you go to your window box or you go into your balcony where you put your containers and you pick some veg or you go down to the allotment, it's, you know, it's often just footsteps away and suddenly it's on the plate or it's in the steamer and you don't get better than that you really don't so and as I said it feels good in the head as well um, and we, we need to touch on house plants mm-hmm. um, Pippa because there is a lot of talk a big buzz about house plants there's reports saying that anywhere between two and three million people are new to gardening uh, because of the pandemic possibly yes yes Um, not all of them will have gardens some of them will have window boxes and and be wanting to bring plants indoors Um, there really feels to be an upsurge in house plants I, I can't give you the exact figures but it's been massive and you're right across the board we recruited three million new gardeners because people suddenly 
suddenly noticed a bit of ground outside the back garden or the front garden or they noticed they had a balcony and they could put something on it and, and maybe if they were furloughed they also had a bit more time than they had before so that's really exciting and, and we've got around about two million and still have seen the light in their gardening not watching box sets or playing golf or what other weird thing they got up to before but you're also right a lot of those new people don't have a garden at all and yeah. the, the boom in the houseplant industry has been absolutely massive and the really exciting thing is it's across all age groups, including a much younger sector, which I think is wonderful because, you know, young people have got such a lot to offer in terms of future being future gardeners as yeah, well. Absolutely. And young people have a very different approach to horticulture and gardening now, don't they? They're, they're much more aware of biodiversity, of sustainability, um, growing for pollinators. There, mm. There's a, a whole generation now who are coming to it with a fresh new you're absolutely right I think um, even a a four-year-old a five-year-old who's learned something interesting at school is a very good communicator on the whole and a very firm communicator of what you should and shouldn't be doing as an older person or as an adult as the adult in their life so it's terribly important to look at that as well but you know whatever your age however much garden space you have or haven't got you should be thinking about all those things because they're affecting all of us now and they will be affecting the younger generation even sooner and for longer. And so it's, it is terribly important. But yeah, houseplants have had a, a massive boom. But the great thing is there's also been a huge increase in the number available, the types available. And yesterday, one of the demos I did here on, on the stage at Gardens Wildlife was all about houseplants. And it was really good fun because I got to go to the British Garden Centre stand and pick exactly what I wanted like a, for like the demo. The sweet shop so you. it that was, was like the ultimate sweet shop. And I didn't have to get my credit card out. So it it was wonderful and the array of plants they had there on the stand was just second to none and you know people think of what's really a rubber plant a really common widely known house plant but you know it's not just a green leaf plant nowadays you can not only get the variegated ones i picked up a really beautiful sort of red wine mixed with a bit of cream mixed with a bit of green leafed one and there are so many variations that there really is something or more than one thing there for everybody Uh, a number of people coming to the show will be in that first time Mm. grower gardener i hope so um let's see uh, two really good tips for people thinking about starting with houseplants pippa what would you what would you say to them I think the first thing is do a little bit of research and research doesn't have to be with books if you don't like books it could be on the internet if you don't like the internet it could be talking to friends who already grow some because it is really important to get the right plant for the right place because some of them like much sunnier drier conditions than others some of them will be much better suited to one room than another so it's a bit like deciding whether you want to take on a hamster or a Daxent or a massive great what's a huge dog Alsatian or something you know it depends what you've got to offer it so you need to not only think about what you like but also what the plants you're going to have 
would like and that way you'll have more success and of course garden centres if they can't sort of get hold of you and, and of course they can through your website brilliant service ask paper that you offer um, garden centres British garden centres great places to go in and ask there's lots of people you can get advice from I, I think whatever your local garden centre I mean obviously you know I'm here with British garden centres at the moment but you know a good garden centre will have some well informed staff who can help you out and, and that's what they're there for and I always think you can judge a garden centre on two things one is obviously the quality and range of plants but the other is also the quality of the staff because I'm really lucky if I go into a garden centre on the whole I don't have to ask any questions because it's my speciality but you should be able to go into a garden centre as a novice gardener and ask anything however basic a question or however complex a question and get someone to at least try to answer it well for you and take you by the elbow if necessary and point you in the direction of the plants that like shady situations in a house or the plants that like sunny situations in a garden. Absolutely. Brilliant point and great advice Pippa. Lovely to see you here at Gardeners World Live. Uh, you, like everybody else walking past our windows, got a huge smile on their face which is fantastic to see. Well, you can't help it can you? You're surrounded by plants and gardens. What more can a woman or a man want? Many thanks. Thank you.